everybody, and welcome back to your second favorite cartoon podcast here in the year 2020. This is Atomic Monsoon, and I am Ray Stacanus, soon to be joined by Psycho Andy and Stephanie. Let's hit the theme music. It's time for Atomic Monsoon with your hosts, Josh. Hashtag Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Psycho Andy. Hashtag Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And Jedi Stephanie. Hashtag I don't care, Die Hard is a great movie. And now, it's Atomic Monsoon. I don't, I don't know if we can do a better intro than that, Stephanie. I really don't think we can. <laughs> I think we need to hire Ray for all of these. Everybody, Ray Stacanis is here. Hi, everybody. Yay. How you doing? Uh, I said that I said that as if the entire audience and me are having a conversation right now. Like, they were just answering, well, Ray, we're doing great. And, like, I could hear them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Perfect. <laughs> that's, that's showmanship. Excellent. Uh, so for anyone that isn't aware or hasn't figured out this math yet, Ray is also from Knowing Is Half the Podcast, which means now we've had all three of you on this show. In what world am I the third of three to come on? I should be everyone's first call in the Rolodex. What are we talking about right now? I saved the best for last, Ray. Oh, I guess I'm a main event. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then Ray, you're also from the, the Who Would Win podcast. Uh, the Who Would Win show, which happens to also be a podcast. We're very snooty about that. I, I apologize. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I love the premise of that show, but boy, it gives me PTSD flashbacks of working in comic stores. Oh, sure. I, I absolutely <laughs> understand that because you would have had to live these conversations 30,000 times every single day uh, and obviously argued much poorer than myself and James do on the Who Would Win show. Uh, I just kind of came down to the conclusion that of all of these fights, right, uh, if you're near a yellow sun, Superman wins. If you're anywhere else, it's probably Goku. Yeah, I had a theory. We just did Goku versus Superman for our showdown September. Uh, we mm -hmm. usually don't like to do world famous, you know, everybody always talks about them battles. We try to find unique matchups that are fun mm -hmm. and fair and that nobody's really doing. But for September, we decided to give the people what they say they want. So we did Goku versus Superman. And uh, spoiler alert, Goku won. Because I came up with the unique strategy that Goku would read Superman's mind, find, using his scanning abilities, find some kryptonite, bring it back and whoop Superman with it because he considered the fate of the universe at stake. And many cartoon purists got very mad at me for saying Goku would, uh, oh, he, uh, he would never do that. And I say, look, if the entire <laughs> universe is about to get destroyed in his mind, I think he would do what it takes to win. And I will stand by that decision 10 times out of 10. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. I uh, I also like to cite in uh, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F. Um, there's that scene where Goku just gets shot with a gun and almost dies. That's true. He didn't have his key energy up at the time. He was taken fully by surprise in a combat situation. Psycho Andy, I could do this all day and have. Uh huh. Uh huh. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, it would be fun to uh, you know, be a, a judge on that show at some point if that was a possibility. But we're not here to talk about that. Well, we kind of. <laughs> Uh, we are here to talk about some of our favorite cartoons. And since Ray runs a cartoon-based podcast, we thought it'd be appropriate to have him on. So yeah, let's let's talk about some of our favorite shows. Yeah, it was either that or a, a do an entire hour about who would win battles, but I, again, did not want to give you PTSD. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I, listen, I listen to that show as much as I can, but, uh, man, sometimes, you know, you guys, both of you guys are 
just you're both of you are completely right sometimes and both of you are completely wrong and uh that's okay well considering that my hashtag is ray is right i obviously know who you mean (laughs) you 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 repped unicron to defeat the death star and you repped my girl carol danvers to defeat shazam in the battle of the captain's marvel so too good too good too good decisions on those right now we're we're doing good although steph's a big star wars fan so i don't know if she would agree with the unicron beating the death star whether you're a fan or not you just have to accept the truth sometimes (laughs) i mean the death star can only go it can only do so much it's just a giant ball that blows up planets so (laughs) right right and unicron is the dark god of chaos because i watch a lot of transformers but i'm not going to talk about that today uh yeah (laughs) So uh, heads up, because Stephanie and I talk about Star Wars and Transformers all the time on the show, we decided we're not going to mention those as our favorite cartoons, but they're honorable mentions. Also, Mm -hmm. I was going to talk about Animaniacs and Steven Universe, but we've already done episodes about those. So those are out too. Well, you haven't done a full episode about G.I. Joe, uh, my favorite cartoon show. So I think we could give extra time to that, right? Even though I do a podcast of nearly 500 episodes about that. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the other thing. If you like G.I. Joe and you want to hear Ray's opinions on G.I. Joe, he does an entire podcast about it. So you can go hunt down Knowing is Half the Podcast with our previous guests, Gina Ippolito and Robert Clark Chan. And there you go. You will have months. You could listen to one a day and you will be there for like a year. More. More than a year. Years. Uh, Years. It might be the rest of your life, honestly. Yeah. Well, we, we have done every single episode <laughs> of uh, the Sunbow Era seasons one and two G.I. Joe. We did mm-hmm. both of the miniseries that preceded that. We've done the G.I. Joe cartoon movie. And now we're going through the Deke era 90s G.I. Joe, uh, which we finished season one and we're nearing the end of season two. We put it on hiatus until January so we could focus on seasonal Thanksgiving, Christmas and Halloween specials. And then we're going to go back to G.I. Joe and finish it out. And that will finish our season four of Knowing is Half the Podcast, leaning into season five. And who knows what we're going to do with that? Probably a gritty uh, reboot. Sergeant Savage and his Screaming Eagles? We've done that one already. Yo, you did do Sergeant Savage. We did Sergeant right. Savage. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, was G.I. Joe Extreme is the next one, right? There's Extreme. There's Resolute. There's Renegades. There's uh-huh, many other uh-huh. short, short run cartoon series and the live action movies. So we're mm-hmm. looking at gritty reboot time. Yeah, G.I. Joe Extreme is the uh, everyone looks like an Image Comics character version. Can't wait for Spawn to show up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, Ray, since you and I have done basically all the talking, I'm going to let Stephanie go first and and talk about her her favorite show. Uh, So, Steph, take it away. All right, cool. I know we said that, you know, we're not going to bring up the uh, the shows we've done before because, you know, like Star Wars or anything like that, just because, you know, they are honorable mentions. We've talked about them before. I just have to really quickly say something, though. Uh, when we last talked Clone Wars, season seven had just started, and now the series is complete. It is over, and the season finale was amazing and awesome, and I just have to say that on the air because I love it so much, and I still cry when I watch it again and again and again. So I had to say that. Get off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> totally okay. Totally okay. But yeah, no. Uh, my Let's see here. My first show that I have. So I'm just going to go ahead and start with my uh, favorite after all the Star Wars animated universe. Uh, with Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, yeah. You've definitely mentioned this show on this show a mm-hmm. couple times before. Uh, yeah, yeah. Avatar is great. Please go on. Yeah. So Avatar The Last Airbender came out on Nickelodeon in the mid-2000s. It very much has a Japanese animation like inspiration, but it is mm-hmm. a cartoon. It's not actually an anime. 
Uh, and it is only three seasons long. And it follows Aang, who is, you know, for those of you that don't know, that didn't sit and watch it on Netflix when it came out earlier this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's about Aang, who is the last airbender of a tribe of air nomads. So people who use, you know, who can bend the air to their will. Uh, and he meets a waterbender named Katara and her brother Sokka in the South Pole. And together, they journey across the world to pretty much take down the Fire Lord, end the Hundred Year War, and bring peace. Because uh, the Avatar has been gone for a hundred years, and he is the and Aang is the Avatar who can wield all four elements: earth, air, fire, and water. Uh, and along the way, we get amazing, really funny characters like Toph, who's a who's a blind earthbender. Uh, we get Suki, who's a Kyoshi warrior, so she's a so she's like a warrior uh, who defends her tribe. Uh, obviously, we have kind of the anti-hero slash best redemption arc ever in the form of Zuko. Um, and then, of course, you know, the villains in the form of Azula and uh, uh, Fire Lord Ozai. And I know like a lot of these names are just words I'm throwing at, it, <laughs> at some of you, but go check it out, guys. It's on Netflix. It's three seasons. It's so worth it. There it is. And I would, I would add, you know, we did Ang the Airbender on an episode of Who Would Win versus Ooh. Storm, the Omega-level mutant of the X-Men. Interesting. No Who won spoilers, the battle? But if you'd like to go, I will not spoil it on this, but if you would like to go and check that one out, it is right there in, I believe it was season one. I could be wrong. These seasons all melt okay. together at this point. But uh, there's only two There's only two to pick from. It shouldn't be hard to find if you're looking for it. So you can always go to whowouldwinshow.com or check out our podcast feed if you are interested in that type of thing. I will have to go check that out now because I'm curious to see who won. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of the X-Men, Ray, I think uh, I think it makes sense that you go next. Well, you know, if I was going to tie, I was going to tie it together. So look at you, Mr. Uh, Mr. Sinks. I love it. Mr. Feed. <laughs> Mr. Transition over there. Uh, so, yes, I was going to talk about the two shows of the 90s, the two cartoons that, in my mind, defined 90s cartoons. And that would be X-Men, the animated series and Batman, the animated series, both, you know, huge superhero type properties and both came started in the early 90s, if not even like the very end of the 80s, if you count Pride of the X-Men, uh, which maybe I shouldn't. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but both of those series are both just so known for their qu high quality. You know, Paul Dini, who went on to write a whole lot of other Batman comics and lore, uh, was the chief uh, brain behind Batman, the animated series, which brought us a whole bunch of new characters and a whole bunch of expansion of characters such as Mr. Freeze. Uh, he really uh, although the Mr. Freeze name was started in the 1966 Batman Adam West series, believe it or not. That's where they first started using the term Mr. Freeze. The entire character and his backstory really started getting developed to make him the top level uh, emotional super villain that he is. And you can totally understand where the guy's coming from. But all of this was from the Batman animated series, as well as the creation of Harley Quinn, who is a fantastic character of her own, is now when, you know, retconned into all this stuff. And, you know, the, I love the fact that this show brought so much more Batman mythos to the table that was so good. We all just immediately accepted that it had always been there, even though yeah. it had not. And that is yeah. so utterly amazing to me. Uh, on the other side, you have uh, the X-Men uh, animated series from the Lewalds, uh, who are both absolute geniuses in their own rights as well. Uh, Julia Lewald, actually, I'm going to keep wrapping it. Uh, Julia Wald came on uh, the Who Would Win show and uh, judged an episode of season oh. one for us. Yes, yeah, she did. Let's see which episode she did Harley Quinn versus Black Widow. That was the episode that she did. 
another excellent episode of our show from season one. And she was an absolute marvel. It was like sitting in front of a deity <laughs> in front of me as I'm sitting here screaming and shouting and making my case for Harley Quinn. And another good one to check out if you'd like. To. I'm going to keep plugging the show. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? We're oh, here. here. And this all ties <laughs> in uh, some in one way or another, weirdly enough. It's all fresh in my mind just from that. But look, the, the X-Men animated series, you know, it took a lot of the storylines from the comics. It took a lot of the characters from the comics and kind of put them together in a different and unique way. And it kept working because very few cartoons, especially in the, at that time in the early 90s, were doing kind of episodic content where one episode led to the other in a long arc of a storyline. Usually it was one episode and we're done. Maybe you get a two-parter if, if they think they got something extra to say. But X-Men the animated series says, what if we just do an entire storyline through an entire season? Mm-hmm. And then sprinkle back and forth. And let's really like get weird with it too. And and I, they really did an excellent job of that, but it was still approachable at the same time. So you can credit a lot of hmm. modern cartoon storytelling to the X-Men animated series, breaking those boundaries and taking those chances. For sure. Uh, I have a lot to say about both of those shows. Um, <laughs> X-Men <laughs> is the reason I started reading comics and eventually led to uh, my owning a comic book store. So yeah. Um, that show, man, uh, I don't remember if it was the first time that the pilot was on or when they, you know, fixed it up a little bit and re-aired it in early 93. But I remember watching an episode and, and turning to my mom and be like, Mom, we have to go. I have to go to the comic store. I need more of this. And uh, it was it was magical. Um, the other thing about that show that's that's pretty great is it's the only time, the only time I would say that you could have watched a superhero, any any of the Marvel or DC based series on television and then gone to the comic store and felt like you didn't miss anything. All of the characters had their current comic book look at that time, right? Batman, even Batman, like, was, like you said, like, they re-edited Mr. Freeze. They introduced Harley Quinn. Like, all of that show was like, let's distill it down to the most basic versions of these characters and and figure out what makes them work. Whereas X-Men was just like, yeah, let's just do what they're doing in the comics right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think both of those approaches are really good and really solid. And uh, I think I think both of them worked very well. Yeah, and who could forget the amazing Batman, the animated series episode, one of my favorite episodes of television, which is the Grey Ghost episode. Oh, yes. Where yeah. they actually brought in Adam West, you know, former 1966 mm-hmm. Batman in order to play an old superhero comic books, TV superhero named the Grey Ghost. Who was at this? Who became the center of this entire plot line, where he had to come out of retirement and kind of help Batman, even though he didn't want to. And it's just, it's just an absolutely wonderful way that they brought those two uh, Batmans together, in a manner of speaking, and really kind of gives you goosebumps when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, that episode. Um, and I think I've told this story on the air before. There was one day where I was not the store that I own, but I was working in another comic store for a while, and someone else had just like, "Hey, we're gonna watch Batman." I was like, "Yeah, sure." And he puts on Batman the animated series while I'm filing back issues. And And so I'm not looking at the screen and I just hear Batman talking. And as I'm filing stuff away, then suddenly I hear Kevin Conroy talking as Batman. And I was like, wait, what? What the hell just happened? And I, Mm -hmm. you know, took a couple steps back to the screen. It's like, oh, it's the Grey Ghost episode, of course. But like, I wasn't expecting to hear Batman talking to Batman. Right. (laughs) It was pretty great. It's one of the few. We did that episode for Knowing Us Half the Podcast. It was a Patreon suggested patron episode that for us and it was one of the very few times we've done that show where we just sat back and we just had nothing but nice things to say about the the product we were watching because what are you going to say bad about a classic you know right right yeah it's hard hard to nitpick something that's near perfection yeah Mm -hmm. and that show is probably as close as we're gonna get yeah 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 uh is it my turn next i guess it is your turn yeah uh coming off batman i'll um, allow it 
<laughs> thank you. You're so gracious. So this is a newer cartoon and the only the only one from this century, I think, that's on my list. I recently was introduced to and kind of fell in love with the new Harley Quinn cartoon, which I wasn't expecting to. You know, one of the things about working in a comic store is you kind of get sick of hearing the same sorts of things and, and no offense, running into kind of the same sorts of fans over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the kinds of people who will say that Deadpool and Harley Quinn are their favorite character um, tend to be the kind of people that I don't want to be friends with. Right. Again, I- I'm sure they're perfectly nice people, but uh, we tend to go different ways. And so okay. that kind of soured me on both of those characters. I'll add to that. Please, like, right. you know, anybody who tells you Rick and Morty is their favorite show almost assuredly does not understand Rick and Morty. And it's probably not someone you want to talk to at length. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's another show. It's not on my list because I'm, I'm working my way through it because, you know, yeah, it's all of the fans of that show are just so loud and wrong about... But that, but that show is so good. <laughs> That's, it's probably the yeah. best science fiction uh, animated we've gotten since Futurama. So mm-hmm. that's what kills me about having such a weird fan base. And sorry, all you Rick and Morty fans who stood in line getting raging outside of McDonald's for Szechuan sauce. Y'all a bunch <laughs> of cherries who don't understand the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I'll take the heat so you don't have to. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, yes, I disagree with that. How do send angry letters to Ray? Please. Um, <laughs> I need the attention. Yeah. Yeah. No, but Harley Quinn, uh, the Harley Quinn cartoons, a lot of fun. Um, one of my, one of my friends who's, uh, who I trust actually Dana Shope, who we had on this show several months ago, uh, he suggested it to me and was like, dude, you got to check this out. You're going to love it. And I was like, ah, but it's Harley Quinn. Okay. All right. And I was like, I'll, I'll watch the first couple episodes. And uh, it was really good. And I really like that they've made Clayface like this uh, absurd Shakespearean actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I Poison Ivy is just like, just so nonchalant about everything. And she's like, I don't care. I just want to save some trees through the entire show. Bane just coming around, wanting to blow up everything is fantastic. And, and I mean, Harley's voiced by Kaylee Cuoco from the Big Bang Theory. So, you know, there's something for people who are fans of that show, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The whole thing, the whole thing is a bunch of ingredients that I probably shouldn't like, and they all come together into a delicious stew that I really enjoy. And I'm kind of excited to find out that uh, they announced season three recently. Oh, so great. yeah. Yeah. Uh, seasons one and two are on HBO max. Um, they were on the DC universe streaming app. That's that whole thing is changing in January where it's just going to be, um, the digital comics outlet uh, and they're renaming oh. it like DC infinite or something. Uh, and all of the DC shows are moving to HBO max sometime next year. So I think most of them are up there right now anyways, uh, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Warner brothers owns all of that stuff. So why not consolidate all the streaming stuff to one place? But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun and I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Well, why would you, these are your favorite cartoons, right? <laughs> right. We'll get to our, yeah. we'll our located cartoons later. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the one thing I will, uh, because we tend to be more of a family-friendly podcast, I will warn that the Harley Quinn cartoon is very rated R. There's a lot of F-bombs. Um, there's a couple C-bombs in there uh, mm. from a rather misogynist character who is a villain. But uh, yeah, there's there's some language and a lot of blood. So, you know, for the kiddos, maybe be warned or, you know, get away with something. One of those two. I mean, it's on HBO yeah. Max. What do you want? <laughs> right right they're not hiding it yeah so yeah steph what about uh what's what's another show that you like well, i guess we could kind of stick with the superhero kind of uh thing and 
owned by Warner Brothers and Cartoon Network. Uh, and also, I think it's oddly enough on HBO Max. This is a show uh, that was on Cartoon Network, I think, in the 2009 to like 2000, like. 12-ish era. It was around there. It was like a couple seasons long. Um, but it's Ben 10 Alien Force, which is the sequel series to the original animated one called Ben 10 about a kid who pretty much has a watch that allows him to turn into different like aliens and then fight, you know, alien crime, uh, you know, in, on the planet Earth over the summer. But in Ben 10 Alien Force, it takes place roughly based off the timeline, like a few, like several or so years after the original series. So Ben is no longer like this little like eight year old kid who just happens to have a superpower watch. Now he's like 15, 16 years old and is in high school and trying to live his life and his grandpa goes missing. So he teams up with his cousin and his old uh, flame and rival uh, Kevin Levin and just together they all kind of go and they gather up all these kids who also have superpowers. And it's like, yo, let's fight some aliens and find Grandpa Max. And it, I, I ran across this show one night on Cartoon Network during their, like, Friday night, you know, are you seeing this lineup that they had with Clone Wars and Batman Brave and the Bold and Secret Saturdays and, you know, Young Justice and all those shows. Um, and I, re like, I, I was iffy on the original Ben 10. I was not that big of a fan of it. It was I, but I just, eh. But I really, really enjoyed Ben 10 Alien Force. I actually, oddly enough, a couple days ago, I was watching a video and I was like, you know... I want to watch it again. So now I'm watching it again and it's still just as great as ever. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. I am uh, not familiar. I'm not terribly familiar with any of the Ben 10 stuff. I remember seeing a bunch of the action figures in Toys R Us uh, while it was on the air and, and, you know, for the next couple of years and some mm -hmm. of the character designs are great, but uh, I haven't had cable since 2009. So a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of later Cartoon Network stuff is sort of lost on me, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. I was not big into Cartoon Network at that particular time frame. You know, there was the part where I was trying to deny that I loved cartoons when I was trying to be a cool guy throughout my 20s. <laughs> but that ended up just being a complete lie. And now I podcast about cartoons. So, I mean, who knows? Right. Mm -hmm. I will say Ben 10 has been an often requested character for us to do on the Who Would Win show. But given, I believe, myself and my uh, tag team partner, James Gavsey, on that show, neither of us knows a heck of a lot about Ben 10. So it's a little bit of an uphill battle. Unless like the, the the torches and pitchforks start coming out for him and people revolt if we don't use him, but and maybe mm -hmm. that'll happen. Who knows? But look, yeah. maybe season three. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, I I have nothing bad. You know, again, nothing bad to say about the show. Like everything, I, the, the bits I have seen about it all seem like yeah. And that's a that's a show by uh, Men of Action, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and those guys did, like, Jackie Chan Adventures, and they did um, that The Batman reimagining, and uh, they've done a whole bunch of good stuff. So I can't imagine that that show isn't great. Give them some trust. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'm pass it back to you, DeRay. Okay, well, you know, there's one show I had to say, you know, I had got to go a little off the board, sort of. But there's Japanese cartoons as well. They're known as, as anime in this country, if you can believe that. Mm -hmm. And they're somewhat mm -hmm. popular. And there are some older shows. You're like, there's the Robotech of the world, which you've never sat back and watched season one of Robotech. I think it's important for anybody who considers themselves a fan of the anime genre or even cartoons in general to go find Robotech. It's only like 24 episodes, which at the time felt like 9,000 episodes when I was watching them every <laughs> single day on television. I couldn't yeah. believe when I looked back not that long ago and saw that season one was only 24 episodes. And I was like, well, that's not true because I watched it for like seven straight months on TV. I swear to God, <laughs> memory is a funny thing. 
uh, highly recommended. Season two is complete garbo, unfortunately. So, you know, and I hear season three got it back, but I was already off the train. But season one is brilliant. But the show I want to talk about, uh, the Japanese show, is The Lupin the Third animated television show. Now, they've made several mm-hmm. different iterations, several different seasons of it, and they're all really fun and good in their own way. You've got season one, which is sort of an origin story. It's a lot darker in tone, a lot grittier. There's more killing in that, and people are a little bit less humorful than you would expect out of a series uh, uh, such as what it is, because what Lupin the Third is, it's the story of Arson Lupin the Third, and he is the grandson of the gentleman thief Arson Lupin from French novels of the early 1900s. And so they kind of play it ahead so that he's this gentleman thief who goes out and has a strong code of honor, but also is trying to steal the great treasures of the world and is constantly being pursued by Interpol or Inspector Zenigata, is often his uh, primary antagonist in these uh, episodes, with the exception of whatever the person he's trying to dupe or trying to uh, uh, reveal the dupe of in some cases, and generally trying to do good for the world and good to himself, and usually just ends up doing more good to the world than for himself, because he often does not end up with the treasure because it's not the right thing to do. He's joined by uh, Goyman, uh, who is a, a samurai, who has a blade that can cut through absolutely anything, as well as Daisuke Jigen, who is both his driver and his uh, gunman, who has a giant beard and a hat that covers his eyes because this is anime, and his on-again, mm-hmm. off-again love interest, Fujiko, who is often siding with him, but will always betray him at least two to three times per episode. I didn't think he'd see it coming at this point, but he always seems to get blindsided by it because he's not always thinking with his brain when it comes to, uh, comes to her. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it, it's just a wonderful show. You know, the first season is, is is a little bit more dark, like I said, but the second season was something in the neighborhood about 90 episodes, maybe even more. And Whoa. this is where it really just gets crazy. And then they did a later season that came later. And then they, I believe that there's a computer animated movie that either came out last year, this year, about to come out. I've lost track of it, but it looked real interesting too. And they've also huh. in Japan every single year for since the 70s, they did a new Lupin the Third movie, cartoon movie, every single year, uh, each one done by a different director of anime who had a different style. So you have some oh. that really focus on the comedic side of things. You've got some that are much more dark and action-oriented, but they keep the souls of the characters intact for over 30 movies, one a year, all the way through the early and mid-aughts, I believe. And, and you also had, uh, for example, the best of the loop in the third movies was done by a guy named uh, Miyazaki. If you're familiar with uh, Spirited Away or mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he did one of the first Lupin movies. It's called The Castle of Cagliostro. And in my mind, it's one of the top five movies ever made. So if you have an interest in this character based on what I said, or you kind of heard about him before, check out Castle of Cagliostro. Check out season two of the TV show where you can find it. Highly recommended. Big, big fan of Lupin sitting right here. Nice. Yeah, I remember watching a, a handful of Lupin episodes when it was on, uh, was it Toonami's Midnight Run for a while Toonami there? Toonami for a while. It, it sort of got shuffled around a lot, so it never really had a consistent time slot. But they did hit Toonami. They, for a while, had it in the afternoons. Uh, but it was basically shuffled in and around all the time for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. So I remember watching a bunch of it then and thinking, like, this show would be really cool if I could sit down and, and watch a bunch of it. Uh, yes. And unfortunately, I never did. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but I have a lot of respect for it. I mean, it's a show that's lasted forever. I didn't realize that there was a, a movie every year, but I knew that there were a ton of movies about it. So that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 it's very prolific in what it's been able to put out there. Maybe not, you know, some of these one pieces of the world, there's like 500 episodes, sure. But as far right. as just its longevity over a long period of time and staying popular, it's been popular for a very, very long time. Speaking of shows that have been popular for a very, very long time and and franchises, Mm -hmm. uh, my next pick was going to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ooh. Mm. So if the X-Men cartoon isn't the thing that got me into, I mean, the the X-Men cartoon is is the thing that I say got me into comics, but that wouldn't have happened if not for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And they wouldn't have existed if not for the X-Men. So that's a nice, weird, vicious cycle of... uh, creativity but yeah so you know at this point we're on i think we're on like the fifth ninja turtles cartoon uh and the sixth ninja turtles television show because there was that weird live action one by saban in the mid 90s that was just garbage i'm sorry if you like the next mutation it's not a good show this podcast is not for you if you liked that live action track Yeah, that's about right. I'm going to talk about the original. I I really also like the 2003 cartoon. Um, I haven't watched all of the 2012 one, but that's also really solid. I Rise of the TMNT isn't isn't for me, but that's fine. But I've been you know during during this lockdown this year in 2020, um, I've been rewatching a bunch of episodes of the original 1987 Ninja Turtles cartoon, which originally aired uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's in 1987. So almost exactly 33 years ago. Oh God, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I kind of feel like everyone knows who the Ninja Turtles are at this point. So, you know, they're a bunch of turtles who have learned ninjutsu from their rat uh, sensei, uh, and they're all named after Renaissance painters. What the hell? <laughs> and man, it's it's interesting going back and watching this old cartoon because, uh, Ray, like you said, um, I mean, there, there are, I think there's like 193 episodes of that show, uh, and I have them all on DVD because... You know, that's the level of nerd I am. But there's some stuff that, like, I, I only remember, like, I distinctly remember a handful of them. And it turns out all the ones I remember are from the first two and a half seasons. And oh. which it comes out to about 25 episodes. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but like I remember uh, so that this is the series where Baxter Stockman was the Caucasian scientist who gets turned into a fly. And I remember that lasting for years. It turns out he gets transformed halfway through the second season and the first season is only five episodes long. <laughs> so <laughs> he's he's transformed into a fly like 10 episodes into the show. And I was like, I, really? It was it was that fast? Okay. <laughs> You know that show. It's it's a it's a who's who of voice acting. We have the the late James Avery doing the voice of the Shredder, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Rob Paulson as Raphael. Cam Clark as Leonardo. Townsend Coleman as Michelangelo. And uh, Barry. Oh God damn it! You know Barry. He's really just known as one name. Barry <laughs> as Donatello. I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to edit in his name here in post because that's terrible that I can't remember. But yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, Leo and Don also voiced Bebop and Rocksteady throughout that show. Um, and it lasted 10 years. It lasted longer than most people remember. 10 seasons for any animated show is forever. Unless yeah. you're The Simpsons. Um, so yeah, yeah. The, the reason anyone knows who the Ninja Turtles are is because of this cartoon. Oh, by the and, way, Andy? Yeah. Barry, Barry Gordon. Barry Gordon. Ah, uh, I was gonna say Barry Gibson, and that was not correct. And but that would have been a lie. It, yeah, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want to spread false information on this podcast. Just you know, some opinions that people might disagree with. Thank you. Uh, 
Yeah. So the roundabout thing about this is because I was such a Turtles fan for so long, uh, my dad ended up getting me some of the uh, graphic novels, which turned out to be the original black and white Mirage graphic novels, but the colorized versions of them. And I got those for Christmas one year. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, comics are fucking cool. Mm -hmm. And like so that happened around the same time that the X-Men cartoon started. So it was sort of a like a one two punch as to why my life ended up the way that it did. Uh, so thank you, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird for having my life turn out the way that it did. <laughs> yeah, that's what's wild about that is that cartoon is so whitewashed and it's so kid friendly and ridiculous, yeah. quite frankly, that when you start looking at the actual stuff that it's based on. So I was such a fan of that in the early nineties as a kid. So I ended up getting the first of the comic book trade paperbacks. So what you're referring to, it's real beat mm-hmm. up right now, but I still have it as well as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles role-playing game from Palladium, yeah. creators of Heroes Unlimited, um, uh, what is it, Ninjas and Super Spies, I think. Is that the one? Yeah. And they did all these so, yeah. different, the exact same system for all these. And this is where I found out things like Baxter Stockman was whitewashed for the cartoon uh, uh, for no uh, for no good reason, as far as I'm concerned. That was really upsetting when I found that out. Like You, you know, know I, I, so one of the other podcasts I listened to is called Turtle Soup, and they speculated that um, having... It, because Baxter Stockman's African-American in, in the original comics, having an African-American man calling a lighter skinned character master throughout the show probably wouldn't have gone over so well. So they whitewashed him. You know, maybe rewrite it so he doesn't say that. We could do that, too. Well, that is also an option. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, it is your story. You can write it any way you want to. Um, just put it out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that that is definitely what happened, but this is that was the speculation these guys came up with. And I was like, you know, that's not an entirely bad argument. So mm-hmm. until you find out that Shredder, the guy he'd be saying it to is Dr. Phil or Dr. Phil is Phil, Uncle Phil, <laughs> Uncle Phil. Or he yeah. could also be Dr. Phil. If he was Dr. Phil, it's a different show. Let me put it out there. Yeah. A very different show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also worth yeah. noting the more recent uh, animated movie came out, Batman versus the Ninja Turtles. Where that is they, so good. Which is so good. Yeah. I got, I got to put out there. <laughs> if you're interested in something, I think it's on Netflix. Is that right? Um, it's on one of those things. It's on, it's on one of the streamers. Yeah. I don't know which streaming service is on. It is. Here's what happened is one of my friends told me about that. And I was like, I mean, I have the comics for it and the comics are great, but I was like, ah, but some of those DC straight to video things are kind of hit and miss. Most of them are good, but some of them are are not for me. Uh, But one of my friends was like, no, dude, you got to check it out. And I was like, well, okay. And there's a red box at the supermarket by my house. So I was like, all right, well, for two bucks, I'll check it out. Yeah. And I like that thing so much. I went out and bought the Blu-ray the next day. Oh my gosh. Mm hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and that one is cool because it's full of a whole bunch of weird turtles homages like there's references to the original cartoon there is a shot the first time you see shredder in that it is literally an animated version of the time in the first live action movie where he kind of descends to face down the turtles and there's that weird camera cut in the middle of his descent it's good um there's there's parts where the turtles are slamming on the foot soldiers back and forth like in the uh turtles in time arcade game like it is just full of nerdy ass turtles references and I love it. When you have a showrunner who gives a crap about the original property and wants to celebrate it, you end up with a different show than somebody who doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Harley Quinn That's... show, same case in point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Also explains the Ninja Turtles live action movies, at least half of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those first two, Eastman and Laird, were there working on them. And then you have and Michael then... Bay who said, oh, I don't know. They're aliens. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Show me who's happy with that decision. Oh, you know, I I don't want to say that Michael Bay is a bad filmmaker, but 
between the Transformers and Ninja Turtles movies, uh, I think I don't like the majority of his output that I've seen. You know, if you are interested in hearing a deep dive on the Transformers original Michael Bay movie, I went on a show <laughs> called Gutting the Sacred Cow, and I did at least a 30-minute wildly profane monologue talking about how horrible that movie is and what terrible decisions went into making it. Gutting the Sacred Cow, Transformers with Ray Stacanus. Check it out anytime you want to on your podcast dial. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Lindsay Ellis did a series on YouTube called The Whole Plane, where she talked about those movies. And in, I believe, the first episode, she postulates that Michael Bay did five Transformers movies and completely missed the point of Transformers. Every time. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah. I said I wasn't going to talk about Transformers this episode. <laughs> sometimes sometimes the topic needs to be broached, though, and it's only appropriate. Yeah, it's true. So let's talk about Stephanie's next favorite show. All right. So my next favorite one is, this one is interesting to say the least. It's only three seasons long. It comes from Nickelodeon and it is a really, really good animated series. Uh, it is created by Butch Hartman and it is known as Danny Phantom. For those of you that haven't seen Danny Phantom, I mean, just listen to the theme song and you pretty much get the gist of what Danny's been through and how he gets his ghost powers. But Danny is 14 years old and his parents are ghost hunters. And one day when they are trying to build a ghost portal in their basement, he activates it and ends up becoming a half kid, half ghost. So the entire show is about him having ghost powers and dealing with ghosts as they come out of the ghost zone and just kind of terrorizes town. And he fights alongside his best friends, uh, Sam and Tucker. Sam, who is like this edgy goth girl who, you know, is also like, I can't remember exactly how, like, she's vegan, but she's, like, it's like, an, it's like a level above vegan in the sense of how much she will just not touch meat or eat it. Uh, and then there's Tucker, who is the techno, the techno guy who just, he can make anything technology work or break, depending on what it is. Um, and occasionally, Danny will have his sister uh, Jazz, or Jasmine is her name, who is this, like, absolute geni like genius, you know, like, 4.0 GPA honors student. Uh, who's just we, we 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 all wonder and question how she ended up in the fa in the Fenton household because she's smarter than everybody there. <laughs> um, nice. And it's just it's an it's over it's an overall really really great show and it's you know it's really action packed it's really funny it's got some great moments in it um, and the series you know ended on a really kind of awesome high note where Danny's secret kind of gets out and everybody knows that he's now uh, the Ghost Boy and his parents find out and it's just, it's like this really kind of wholesome ending. And a lot of people have been demanding and wishing for a sequel series, but no one really knows what happened because it actually apparently got canceled and they just kind of had to like wrap up what they had left. So there's a lot of questions in the air, what happened to the show, but it's still really, really good. I think you can find it on Hulu. I believe last, uh, we had a conversation about Danny Phantom. Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. Boy. Yeah, by coincidence, I happened to listen to uh, a couple of our other episodes this week, and you had mentioned Danny Phantom on our Outbreak Breakout episode from yes. back in March when COVID first hit. Um, and you were talking about the episode where there was the the plant monster that was mind controlling people. Yep, and it was Mark Hamill that was voicing him. Yep, man, that's right. That whole ending really gives new meaning to if my parents find out, they'll kill me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. I mean, they don't. They, you know, it's a happy ending. But yeah, ma'am. So stuff. Yeah, but uh, but Butch Hartman did. Uh, I think a couple years ago, he did put out a. I don't know if he just did it for fan service or if he just did it because maybe he was alluding to something. But he put out a version of Danny, Sam, and Tucker. What they would look like if they were roughly college age and still 
you know, saving the world and it looks really cool and awesome. And if Butch Hartman listens to our show, first of all, that's awesome. Second of all, uh, like it would be cool to see more Danny fandom, but I also understand why, why there's no more than just the three seasons. So thank you for making an amazing show. <laughs> there you go. And sometimes three seasons, all you need. Sometimes one season's all you need. Look at the, uh, the remake of Watchmen. I can't imagine a second season would have been worth it. They said it perfectly in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched that yet, but from everything I've heard from everyone, uh, yeah, one season and, and they're done and everyone's like, I want more because it's so good. But on the other hand, no, I don't because well, don't ruin it. Let's yeah. go ahead and pause the recording here so you can watch the entire first season of Watchmen and then we'll just pick up when you're done, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> okay, we're back. How'd you guys, how'd you like Watchmen, Andy? It was so good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe that thing happened with that thing? Dude, that was the craziest thing. Dude, it was, uh, and then, and then that one dude showed up and that girl was like, uh, uh, and just killed him. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You've clearly seen it. It's great. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll go ahead and do my next show here. You know, I was going to go off time at the end here. I'll talk about some, some wild, crazy shows we've done on knowing is half the podcast, but there's one other thing I got to bring more attention to the adult swim shows because these are all just so wonderful. Mm -hmm. You know, and some of the more adult themed ones, not like adult like that, but more just like mature or themed. So you got like the Bojack Mm -hmm. Horseman's. Uh, which is magical. You have the, which is also very depressing. Every single season of that ends with me just feeling like I've been punched in the gut, which is good. Any cartoon that can make you feel something. Holy crap. What a great job. Rick and Morty, as I mentioned before, great show, bad audience. Uh, the two I want to bring a spotlight on a little bit are two of my favorites from not that long ago, but Metalocalypse, which is the story okay. of a heavy metal band that became literally the like the like 20% of the world's economy is now centered through this heavy metal band. They're so popular and so over the top and so ridiculous that they essentially like drive industries. <laughs> and they also accidentally, you know, battle evil whether they're really intending to or not. And it's every single season that goes by heightens kind of where they're at. And they just do over-the-top spectacles that get lots of people killed, and they make bad decisions, and then sometimes have to do things normal people do, but they've not been raised outside of a bubble that allows them to do that. So it's an absolutely hilarious show. It's an absolutely beautiful show. And the music, the death metal kind of music, not usually my favorite genre, but the stuff they put out there is just ripping. It's real, real good, made by real musicians and real comedians uh, 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 and the amalgam thereof. And so if you have not checked it out, it's not going to be for everybody. But definitely for people with the darker souls, such as myself, I think you might get a kick out of it. But the one show I really wanted to feature was Venture Brothers, which uh, when I was thinking about shows that are brilliant, we got to at least mention it. Now, it's gone in, I think, the seventh season. I'm not exactly sure. But the great story with that is they thought they had somewhere in the neighborhood of, I believe, 10 episodes to tell the story of the previous season. So they opened with a uh, and it had been a long time between the seasons. And so they opened with a two parter like event. And then they were like, cool, we put this out there like six months before the rest of the show came out. So they start working on the episodes, working on the show, and there was a miscommunication somewhere because they thought they had 10 episodes. But Cartoon Network said, no, your first two were the ones we just made six months ago. So they ended up having eight episodes or seven episodes or whatever the heck it was. But there were supposed to be two more for them to wrap up their arc. But but they'd already built it so high, there was no way to wrap it up. And when they found out, there was like one episode left in the season. So instead of wrapping it up poorly, they just stopped where they would stop at that point and said, if you give us another season, we'll wrap up this arc and start another. Oh, my God. 
you know, how does miscommunication like that happen? But yeah, if you watch that show in the last season, it just sort of ends. Like there's no conclusions. It's just an episode ends and we're done. And you like, literally I was there trying to watch it and I want to say Hulu. And I was like, yeah, but where's the next one? Oh, there is no next one. And that's when I found out about this crazy story. So, uh, but Venture Brothers tells a story. And it's, it's a throwback to Johnny Quest. It's a throwback to 60s superheroes culture. And uh, it tells the story of Dr. Uh, Thaddeus Venture, who is a son of a great scientist. He was sort of the sidekick in the, in the Johnny Quest, if you will. And he grew up to be more of a pill popper, uh, still a genius, but he really has no drive to do a lot of things outside of feed his own ego and his own habits. And he's got two twin clone sons, spoiler alert, and uh, Brock Sampson, played by the uh, immeasurable Patrick Warburton, uh, who is like a former special ops guy who keeps the whole family alive. And they constantly do battle with a a number of different supervillains, most notably the Monarch, who is a butterfly-themed supervillain who has it in for uh, Dr. Venture. And they all prescribe to a series of rules because they... All the bad guys are in the same union together, which which measures how they're able to do things and which lines they're able to cross. And it's the Guild of Calamitous Intent. So there's a whole lot of just really fun interplay with just adult systems in the real world, limiting heroes and supervillains from doing what they do and the consequences for stepping over the line and the wild adventures that everybody takes along the way. It's just a really, really fun show that really goes deep into character development. Even the minor characters all get their moments, much like Futurama did where they get to kind of bring them to the surface, tell their stories, and then they go back to being a minor character, but they're always around. And it does it's one of the best world-building shows. Like I said, Futurama is what I consider like an ultimate world-building show where every season built on previous seasons and expanded the entire universe. Venture Brothers does the same thing, so by the time you're done with it, there's like a bazillion characters, but you know who all of them are deeply, and you give a crap about them. So uh, definitely suggested if you haven't done a lot of the adult swim stuff, that's a great place to start. Yeah. All I'm right. going to have to spend more time with venture brothers. I haven't, uh, I haven't watched a ton of it. I've seen a handful of episodes here and there and I've always enjoyed them, but I've never sat down to watch all of them. So it's real smart. It's real, real smart without like beating you over the head with how smart it is. You know, it's, it's like a sublime smart. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I want to talk about something really dumb now. Please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so this show is, I King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. Oh, wonderful show. Sure. Yeah. So so this show has sure. maybe the best, most rocking theme song of any show in the 1990s. And I say that knowing that people love the X-Men cartoon theme song. I don't care. King Arthur has a better theme. And they're ah. written by the same guy. So oh, okay. whatever. Like, not, not that big of a deal. So King Arthur and Knights of Justice. I remember... <laughs> just watching cartoons on Saturday morning and I'm watching this show and, and the theme song hits and I'm like, okay, so it's Merlin and then King Arthur and then football players. What's going on? And the first episode details the the premise of the show, which is the evil queen Morgana and her warlords have kidnapped King Arthur and the Knights of the round table. And so Merlin uses his magic to travel through time to recruit a replacement team of Knights. And this team of Knights that he recruits are a professional football team called the Knights, and their quarterback is named Arthur King. (laughs) And so Arthur and the Knights travel back to Camelot to work with Merlin to try and rescue the original King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It is like the dumbest concept for a show, but it's so stupid that I can't help but love it. The show was created by Jean Chalopin, who was the guy that founded Deke Entertainment before Andy Hayward came in and turned it into what it became and it was like the first thing that he worked on one of the first things he worked on after leaving deke and uh, it only lasted two seasons it doesn't have a proper ending it was just one of those things that was made to sell toys and sold some 
toys, but I I just it's one of those shows that people are like, what are your what's one of your favorite shows? I can't help but bring it up because A, nobody remembers it, and B, everyone who does only has vague memories. I did manage to find and track down the official DVD release. And the box art for the official DVD release looks worse than the bootleg DVD boxes. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure that for the official release, Golden Entertainment actually just pulled screen caps from Google and plastered them on because like the logo's pixelated, the screen caps are all low res and everything. And it's like, you have the video here. You could have gotten better screen caps of your own show. Yeah, but that would and, require money or someone caring. Uh, it, it, yeah, it looks like someone's kid that had a hacked version of Photoshop just put this thing together for them. Which may or may not be the truth. Like, listen, I'm a graphic designer. I've put out some stuff that doesn't look good. I understand that, you know, it's not always easy to, to make these things. But, uh, boy, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you know, a second pass is worth taking. So, yeah. uh, anyways, that show's not streaming anywhere. Um, I think there are some episodes on YouTube if you if you want to track it down. But uh, I think the DVD release is like 12 bucks on Amazon. So if you are at all curious about this bizarre concept of a show, check it out. It's fun. Awesome. Yeah, we watched an episode of that for Knowing is Half the Podcast uh, because of the theme song, purely. And it is definitely a program. <laughs> did you did you watch one? Because... I'm pretty sure I've said that if you guys are going to do that, I want to be on that show with you. You you, you may have, but, you know, not to me. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not true, but okay. If I don't remember it, it didn't happen. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I don't remember. I don't know if you guys have ever released that episode because I don't remember seeing it at all. But Interesting. Yeah. I could be thinking of something completely else, too. I could be wrong, but maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. I know that last Thanksgiving, I tried to get on your show to do an episode of that. And, right, we were, uh, we were you recording guys all... for like that like month. <laughs> yeah, you guys all big timed me, and uh, we're like, "Nah, you don't have enough. Uh, who cares?" You're... When you're big time, you get to be big time. I mean, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, we've only got a few minutes left. So, does anyone? Do you guys each have like one more cartoon you just want to mention real quick? I've got getting... some really weird ones I want to mention, but I, I'll step yeah. aside for a sec. Okay. I yeah. Just want to jump right to it? I just got one more that I just want to mention, and Absolutely. it's literally just. Disney Channel's Kim Possible because it's amazing and it's on Disney Plus and the theme song is is amazing, the fighting is amazing. Go watch Kim Possible. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really enjoyed Kim Possible when that was on. Yeah, that's a good show. Everyone should watch that. Mm -hmm. Also, Wilfred Dell from Boy Meets World does her best friend Ron. Yep. So that's great too. Yeah, you know, I was thinking of Jason the Wheeled Warriors. That's the one we did, uh, not oh. in the Knights of Justice. I got him twisted, and I'm like, I know we did it pretty recently, but uh, no, yeah. I had the wrong show in my head. Okay, Jason the Wheeled Warriors was definitely a program. Jason the Wheeled Warriors also has a theme song by uh, Chaim Saban and Shuki Levy. This so I got confused. Yeah, those guys did most of the cartoon theme songs that are in your theme song throwdown, actually. Yes. So <laughs> I fully expect that Shuki Levy is going to win that thing, regardless of what show it actually is. One way or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My only other last hit is Cartoon Planet, which was the, the origin story of that show is Ted Turner was watching Cartoon Network one day, saw Space Ghost Coast to Coast and said, why don't we have a version of this that's kid friendly? And so they made a version that Space Ghost, Zorak, and Brack, like sitting around singing songs and reading fake letters from their fans. And it's completely absurd. It's the height of like 90s absurdist cartoons. I remember that. I remember I'm a big fan of Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. I remember seeing it. I'm like, I don't really know what this is, but it's super enjoyable. Yeah. Unfortunately, they use a lot of clips that Time Warner no longer has the rights to. That's a problem. So they can't. Yeah, they can't release it on home video at all. But every episode is on YouTube as of like last week. Oh, great. Yeah, so Cartoon Planet is just 
absurd. Uh, most people are not going to like that show, I, <laughs> but it's pretty good. Uh, so, Ray, what what other fun nuggets of joy have you? Uh, I, I got a handful here. About? I'll give you little blurbs about just shows that maybe you didn't know existed. You know, I'm going to start with Super President. Super President's one of the worst <laughs> cartoons of the 1960s. The premise of this is that you have a superhero who has the ability to change his own molecular structure into whatever substance he wants, smoke, water, lead, radiation, whatever the heck it is. But his, his secret identity is he is the president of the United States. Oh my God. And he, he looks like Mike Pence and he walks around <laughs> with a Carl Rove esque sidekick who is like his chief of staff. But he doesn't have a costume. He just shows up in a suit and a tie as the chief of staff. And nobody can figure out that the super president, the actual character's name of super president, who rocks around with the actual chief of staff, is the president of the United States. Um, oh it's truly an amazingly <laughs> terrible show. Uh, another <laughs> one that's really fun is uh, Gilligan's Planet, a show I didn't know oh, God. until we did it on Knowing It's Half the Podcast. You know the Gilligan's Island story. Sure, uh -huh. we all do. Well, this show is a sequel to Gilligan's Island, where the professor doesn't build a raft or a boat. He builds a rocket ship, and he takes it up into space, and they land in, like, Alpha Centauri on a, an abandoned planet, much like their previous island was, trying to get rescued off of this alien planet with alien friends. Of course, there's a, there's a, there's a chuckling alien monster that they live with, and dealing with the problems of space pirates and other such uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful things. Gilligan's Planet, another show that it's hard to believe it existed. Let's see. We've also, oh, we've also got some other classics here. We have Pole Position, which is based on the 1980s cartoon show, which has one of the greatest theme songs, perhaps in history. Uh, it's a great theme. It's a great, you can't get it out of your head once it gets in there. Mm -hmm. And essentially, uh, what, what can we do with Pole Position? This is like an 8-bit, not even 8-bit video game that just involved a car driving on a simple track. So what we did is we had like a brother, like a brother and sister are like tutelage under their father or something, or maybe they're orphans, who cares? But the two cars have AI and then they drive around and they fight crime because, you know, yep. that's just what we do. And there's a lot of shows, that, especially from the 80s and early 90s, that just had, let's just take a famous person and make a cartoon about them. So in that vein, we have Louis, uh, Louis Anderson with Life with Louis, Rosie, uh, Rosie, Roseanne Barr, Little Rosie is another show where she's just an obnoxious kid in a cartoon, but you also have more fun ones like the pro stars with Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. and Wayne Gretzky, none of whom did their own voices in the cartoon, which is just wonderful. <laughs> and they're a crime fighting team representing all four sports because Bo played two sports. Great. I mean, Bo knows. Uh, that's all he said on the show. Mm -hmm. Bo knows this and Bo knows that. <laughs> but additionally, yeah, one of my knows. favorite superhero shows from that era was MC Hammer's Hammer Man. Hammer Man! A, gra a great show. I used to watch it Saturday mornings when it was on. You have MC Hammer, who Hammer nobody Man. appreciates in the year 2020. Nobody appreciates it. In the early 90s, MC Hammer was the most famous person on the planet above the mm -hmm. Pope. Or people, he was in every, every commercial. It's not just right. like some, he was in literally every commercial for, for Pepsi. He was, mm -hmm. he, was in a, he was in shoe commercials, clothing commercials, McDonald's commercials. He was, in 1991, MC Hammer, that's the year of the hammer. Also the year yeah. of Operation Desert Storm, but mostly the year of the hammer. <laughs> and the cartoon show Hammer Man posited a world where uh, Stanley, his real name, uh, Stanley mm -hmm. something or other, uh, was just a regular kid who found magical talking shoes, 
which allowed him to dance and have the dance be a superpower. And he could shoot musical notes out of his fingers and he could spin around and create hurricanes and stuff. And he dressed like a crazy early nineties. I don't know. He dressed like MC hammer. And so he fights crime all over the place, killer robots, whatever the, whatever the problem is. And Mm -hmm, he is mm -hmm. also MC hammer doing all of these things. There's a ton more Uh, Rubik. The amazing last one. I'll leave you here with Rubik. The amazing cube. For some oh, reason, God. they decided to make an 80s cartoon uh, with another magical theme song where uh, the story goes, there's a Rubik's Cube that was being taken by an evil gypsy, of course, because racism is alive and well in the 80s. And this mystical gypsy had magic Rubik, but he fell off of his horse-drawn carriage, was picked up by these American, I think, children, and he came to life whenever he is solved. And he has magic powers of transmutation, of flight. And he sounds like a creepy old, you would expect to find on that uh, Chris Hansen show to catch a predator. He has the exact voice you would figure every single one of the people caught on that show would sound like. He also did a Christmas special. And on our next episode of Knowing is Half the Podcast, we're going to do a deep dive. It's actually going to be a live version. But this will probably come out after that, so don't worry about it. But it will be in the Knowing is Half the Podcast feed. And I have some clips so you can know what I'm talking about. But it is one of the most terrifying, upsetting voices you will ever hear in cartoon history. Uh, oh the voice of Rubik the Amazing Cube was done by the guy that played Horshack on Welcome Back, Cotter. That is correct. So, with a lot yes. of, uh, with a lot of uh, effects done to his voice. And it's yes. upsetting. Yeah. And the, uh, the theme song was done by Menudo. It was um, which Menudo. Is- yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so the, the family that they they were American, but they were Hispanic Americans um, because they were trying to get the tie in with Menudo kind of going on. So it was the Rodriguez kids. Found, That's right. The ones that found it was Rodriguez. actually it was it was bold in its time for being like 82 or something like that or 84. It was in that yeah. home where you there was not a lot of diversity on television. So you have to give Rubik the Amazing Cube credit, maybe for uh, promoting uh, a Mexican-American family uh, where a lot of cartoons, you know, if you had one person who was of Mexican heritage on the show, they had to wear a poncho and sombrero. And even if they were 13 years old, had to have a big bushy mustache and and they had to sleep a lot because siesta. So racism in the eighties was real. I believe I said that before. And and the fact that they were presenting these, this family, these kids as quote unquote normal was really outstanding for its time period. Yeah. Yeah boy <laughs> wow i i have learned something new today guys i don't know if i'll be able to remember from it <laughs> i i every every one of the shows you've talked you just talked about ray i remember every single one of the episodes of knowing us half the podcast about them so uh we've done them all uh, and so i'll be back for part two next week only weird cartoons with race to canis uh, i'm excited <laughs> for this opportunity guys i appreciate it because i could go again for five more hours let's go oh my yeah God. yeah unfortunately um Atomic Monsoon is ending. We've oh. we only got two episodes left. So can I, can I just keep talking yeah. even if we're not recording? Certainly. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't doubt it. Uh, all right. So, so Ray, so if people do want to hear you keep talking, where, where can they find you? Well, you can find my other two programs. You can find Knowing is Half the Podcast, where we talk about 80s and 90s cartoons. For the most part, we kind of expanded our boundaries a little from time to time. But we really feature 80s and 90s cartoons. We try to pick some bad ones. We started by only doing G.I. Joe, uh, which was the primary idea for the show. And then we started running out of G.I. Joe, so we started thinking, what else can we do? And we found out our formula works for any weird cartoons of the 80s and 90s. And we just enjoy talking around and about them. Uh, good times also the who would win show which is a, a big time deal it's it's got new video shows coming out soon we're working with twitch and youtube to do big live shows uh oh, cool. video shows it's going to be a lot of fun 
And we're kind of putting that production together for that. So breaking news here on this show. Wow, I haven't talked about this on the other shows. That's what we're going to be doing with that. Hopefully, as we start season three in January, as season two is coming to a close with it being December, we decided to do seasons based on years. You can go to whowouldwinshow.com or find us wherever you podcast. Just look up the Who Would Win Show and look for the one with my name on it, Race to Canis. It's a red and yellow logo. You can't miss it. Should be near the top. And we debate superhero battles and character battles, you know, based on comics, sci-fi, video games. TV shows, whatever the heck we can, whatever characters are interesting to talk about. We want to do battles between them. Most recently we did Batman and Robin 1966 versus Hobbs and Shaw from the Fast and Furious franchise, which is an absolutely wonderful episode. One of my favorite episodes we ever did was uh, Solid Snake from the Metal Gear Solid games versus the Iron Giant, which I thought was a very, very compelling uh, a piece huh. of programming. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, you okay. know, our, our most recent episodes, we've got Rogue versus Dumbledore. Uh, which is another fun one to do. And we did do uh, one of our favorites, the Muppets versus Sesame Street. We've done that one twice now with uh, us flipping which side we were representing from the first battle to the second. Yeah, and if I remember, uh, Sesame Street won one of those and the Muppets won the other one. That so, is correct. So you guys are going to have to have a rubber match at some point. At some point, we got to figure this one out because uh, you yeah. know, who, who, yeah. who could even tell anymore? But Muppets, if you want to hear a crazy battle where we take some liberties and have some fun, <laughs> certainly Sesame did. Street might be one of the weirdest episodes we've ever done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are fun. They, it is it is a fun show to listen to uh, when I'm not filled with rage about uh, stupid customers that I used to have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I worked retail uh, for a game company uh, running a gaming store for eight years. So I know your pain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Um, all right, guys. Yeah. So we are, we are well over time. I'm going to try and edit this episode down to our normal time, but it's probably not going to work. So that's fine. Um, Don't mess with you can find Andy. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, you can find us at atomic monsoon on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can email us atomic monsoon at gmail.com. We're atomic underscore monsoon on Instagram. Uh, you can find shirts for our stuff at redbubble.com and search for atomic monsoon. You get our, our logo on, you know, shirts and masks and clocks and, and whatever else you want. Um, uh, phone cases that tell you where your pop socket goes. Good times. Um, and because, like I mentioned, we are ending with episode 100, and this is episode 98. And uh, with the holidays, we may not be recording on our regular schedule. And for our last episode, we are going to be talking about the best of Atomic Monsoon and our favorite memories and yours. I've gotten a couple of messages from some people, but anyone else, uh, write those letters today and send them to AtomicMonsoon at gmail.com. And, uh, is if, it if fair to share... put this episode so close to that one when this is clearly the one that's going to have everyone's favorite memories in it? By the way, you can mm -hmm. find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. I don't think I said that before. And you should find me there because I'm great. <laughs> if you if you like listening to stories about uh, professional football, definitely follow Ray on Twitter. Every Sunday afternoon, you will hear a lot about football and you'll hear a lot about other stuff the other rest of the week. I will have yeah. to follow you on that football stuff then. <laughs> yes, hit me up every Sunday. It's, it's a tweet of frenzy. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um all right and and we are I don't know Stephanie did I miss anything? Did I leave anything out? Uh dude, our friends at Defm Records. Our friends at Defm Records that do our theme song. How could I forget? I forgot last week. It's you know, the magic is the magic gets mixed up a little bit when we have other friends on. Uh and that's totally fine, but yes, we need to thank our friends at Defm Records. I definitely am going to give them a, a big thank you on episode 100. They they have they provided a theme song for basically free 
uh, for this entire run of the show. Um, so definitely check them out. Defm Records, D E A F M R E C O R D S dot com. Uh, or or uh, that might not be working. Go to their Bandcamp website, spelled the same way, but with Bandcamp in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. Please support our friends, and we will be back next week with some more fun. And um, Merry Christmas! Yay! Merry happy. Happy Melmus. Okay, bye.